The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. With the 16th pick. In the 2022 NFL Draft, the Washington Commanders select Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. There it was. Uh, They had traded back to 16, and then they selected Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. Uh, He is your newest Washington Commander. Three guests on the show, uh, a busy show. Uh, JP Finley uh, is going to uh, join us shortly. John Kime will join us on the show today. And then Colin Gutman, Howard Gutman's son. Howard and Colin were both out at the draft last night in Las Vegas. Uh, we'll find out what it was like to be there, who got the biggest booze, who got the biggest cheers, what the Washington fans thought live of the trade back and then the pick, etc. Um, so we will do that with uh, all three guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. Uh, that's a big help uh, as well. So um, let me cut to the chase here. I like Jahan Dotson as a player. If you've been listening to this podcast going back to college football season, I've certainly mentioned Jahan Dotson um, more than once and mentioned him last week when I had uh, the piece of news that that, that I'd learned that Drake London was the number one wide receiver on their board um, by a lot and that I thought there was a pretty good chance if London was there, they would take him. I'm convinced that they would have taken him had he fallen to 11. I hoped they would take Kyle Hamilton. Uh, We talked yesterday about the possibility that, you know, there were people in the organization that were very split uh, on Kyle Hamilton. Clearly, they didn't think enough of him to take him at 11. That may be the one they regret. Um, The trade back uh, for Dotson, personally, I didn't think they got enough. Uh, There are multiple draft value charts. You know, there's the one from the guy from overthecap.com. He thinks Washington got a great deal. If you go by some of the older uh, draft value charts, uh, then Washington perhaps could have used another pick out of it, maybe a fourth or a fifth rounder added to the third and fourth that they got from New Orleans. Martin Mayhew said uh, after after uh, you know, after the draft last night during the press 
press conference um, that they had two charts they were working with. One uh, sort of reflected a deal that wasn't that favorable, and the other uh, reflected a deal that was. But, you know, these are subjective things. You don't go by the chart. You use it as a guide, whichever chart you use. It just felt to me in the moment that those are a crucial five spots, 11 to 16, and that a third, uh, which, by the way, is a compensatory third, uh, so it's at the end of the third round uh, tonight, and then a fourth that is in the first, um, I think, 10 to 12 picks of the fourth round, um, but I just felt like it should have been more. Uh, But they picked up what they said they would pick up, which is more picks in a draft that they believe is deep um, and very strong in the middle portions uh, of this draft with good players that, you know, a third rounder this year, even though, again, it's a compensatory pick. So for all intents and purposes, it's like an early fourth round pick um, that really that's more like a third round or a second round pick. And their fourth round pick that they picked up is more like a third round pick in most years because, we explained, you know, over the last couple of days that there are more draft eligible players because of the extra year a lot of guys got uh, because of COVID. Um, but back to Jahan Dotson, I like the player a lot. I think they should have selected Kyle Hamilton at 11. I think Baltimore selecting Kyle Hamilton at 14 um, tells you that an organization that has done this as well as any organization, especially when it comes to to defensive players. I mean, you go back through Baltimore's drafts of defensive players, uh, you know, away from last year, uh, Patrick Queen from the year before. Uh, Before that, it was um, Marlon Humphrey in 2017, who's a great player that they had uh, um, Matthew Judon. Uh, they had they drafted Zadarius Smith, even though he doesn't play for them anymore. And we know about the Hall of Famers on defense that they've drafted uh, over the years. To me, Baltimore is one of those organizations that you should be measuring yourself against over a long period of time now. They've gotten this stuff right a lot more than a lot of other teams have gotten it right, especially with defensive players. I think Kyle Ham- Hamilton's speed number uh, should have been ignored. Uh, I think he played fast, and I think his length and his anticipation make up for perhaps a tenth of a second on a 40 time. Uh, I know that there was some concern, and Vinny Serrato mentioned this to us uh, last weekend, that he's not a big weight room guy, and if he gets in the weight room and bulks up to 230, 235, that could be a problem because it could slow him down more. Um, I like the player. I think the tape says all you need to know. The Ravens obviously felt the same way. Now, on Jahan Dotson, again, let me get to him. I love the player. Uh, This is going to be the second receiver um, in six drafts that I have watched a lot of that they have taken. Uh, The worst um, on-the-record prediction I have ever made doing any of these shows is that Josh Dotson is going to be a great receiver in the NFL. Uh, I predicted Josh Doxson would be picked before that 2016 draft by Washington, uh, in part because my son was at TCU at the time, uh, and I watched all of those games, and I fell in love with Josh Doxson. He was he was tall. He had long arms. He had great hands. Uh, he was great in contested catch situations. He was you know not a blazer blazer, but he was one of those guys that just looked like a big time NFL receiver with size. 
plays. And the bottom line with Josh Doxson is that he didn't love football. You know, it wasn't a priority. He was young. He was a little bit immature, a nice kid, um, but it really didn't work out here or really anywhere else, at least not as of yet. Uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, similar last name, same initials. Penn State have watched a lot of him because my youngest son is at Penn State. He still is. He'll be graduating uh, next weekend, uh, which will be phenomenal. I will have no more college tuitions uh, in my life. Um, However, I got to see a lot of Jahan Dotson. I paid a lot of attention to Penn State over the last couple of years. I went to several games. And I've loved Jahan Dotson. I talked about him during the regular season. I talked about the game he had against Maryland and how I felt like he was going to be a really good player at the next level. Uh, I, you know, One of the comments I made during the year, I remember specifically saying he is small. Uh, I don't know what that means in terms of where his draft status uh, will be, but he's smaller, but he can fly. He is incredible after the catch. He's got phenomenal hands. And I didn't even realize really what his catch radius or what kind of long arms he had. He just was a playmaker. Um, Going back to all of the games last year, and I went back and watched a lot of them again, I mean, go back and watch the highlights of him against Maryland. Go back, and, and Maryland wasn't great defensively, trust me, although they have a safety in Nick, in Nick Cross that's probably going to get selected uh, tonight. And they do have talent and speed uh, at their skill position players on offense and defense. He shredded Maryland to the tune of 11 catches, 247 yards, three touchdowns. Look at the game that he played in a driving snowstorm in East Lansing at the end of the year against Michigan. Michigan State. This guy can play, and he didn't have a great quarterback. Sean Clifford was mediocre at best, and there wasn't a lot of talent around him uh, at Penn State this particular year. Franklin had a decent team, not a great team, and not a lot of offensive talent other than Dotson. Listen to Ron Rivera talk about Dotson producing at such a high level with such mediocrity around him. Well, probably the biggest thing is, you know, when, when you look at guys and you, you break them down, you also look at who he's playing with, okay? And, and, and you know, not to knock any of the, his teammates, but I, I, I'm, the quarterback they had was a good player, okay? He, he wasn't a great player, but he was a good player, and he just seemed to make this guy better. And, and you saw the catches that he made. You know, I'm trying not to kill the kid, but you sit there and you think, well, he didn't throw a very accurate ball, but this guy was making him look good. Um, you know, he caught over, you know, he, he, he caught for over a thousand yards. I mean, he set records uh, for, for Penn State. And, and you just know that there's more to him because, you know, it's not like there are a lot of weapons there around him. You know, his, his teammates were good, but they weren't, you know, I mean, you look at some of the other teams that had two, three, four weapons on, on the field at the same time. And you think, wow, this guy, you know, they knew the ball was going to him and he was still making plays. And that's what that's what gets you excited when especially when you put the tape on and you watch game after game and you see him catching seven, eight, nine, ten balls a game. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Ron was right, though. I, I watched enough to know how much better Dotson made Clifford uh, look, and the defense's attention was on Dotson a lot of the year. And in the Big Ten, they played some good defensive 
teams. So this is a guy they wanted and they liked a lot. And I told all of you last week that Drake London is who they are in love with. He's the top receiver on their board. There's a big, big disparity between London and everybody else on their board. But the next group of receivers include Alave, Wilson, Williams, and Dotson. That was what I was told one week ago today, in fact. Uh, and we talked about that on the podcast last week uh, or the the over-the-weekend uh, podcast, that Dotson was part of that mix of the next group of receivers that they liked, that if they didn't get London, that they would perhaps uh, be choosing from. Now, I kept hoping that if they didn't get uh, uh, Drake London, that they would take Kyle Hamilton. And I think one of the interesting things about the draft last night is what would have happened, given that Ron consistently talks uh, and did it again last night. He said when asked about getting a a polished receiver uh, for Carson Wentz, he said, Look, this has been important to us, and we wanted to make sure that we've got weapons around Carson and that we can protect him. So they got a weapon last night and look for them to draft somebody to protect him before uh, Saturday is over. What I wonder and what I'll ask JP about and John Keim about and get their thoughts, um, I wonder whether or not if one of the three offensive linemen had dropped Uh, Charles Cross was the closest to them at 9. He went to Seattle uh, at 9. If Cross had been there at 11, given that the goal was to protect Carson Wentz and to give him more playmakers, I wonder if they would have stuck at 11 and taken Charles Cross or if Evan Neal or Aquanu had dropped. I mean, they were taken at 6 and 7. Cross got close at 9. These three offensive linemen were considered to be among the elite players in this draft that doesn't have a lot of elite players. So I think there's a chance, had Cross been there at 11, that they would have taken Cross. I think, well, I don't think, I know that if Drake London had been there at 11, they would not have traded back. They would have taken Drake London. That was their fantasy uh, draft um, scenario. Uh, you know, if the draft fell the, the way they wanted it to fall, it was Drake London falling to 11. With no quarterbacks taken in that top 10, uh, with just one quarterback taken in the entirety of the first round, but with no quarterbacks taken in that top 10, it became less likely uh, that London was going to be there at 11. Now, at 11, um, I thought when they made the trade, to move back. I thought that first, and I tweeted this out, I said, maybe they think they can still get Alave at 16. And then when Alave got picked by New Orleans, I tweeted out, I know they like Dotson, but 16? And this is where a lot of the pushback on Jahan, uh, Jahan Dotson has come from. A lot of you believe that it was too early based on a lot of these mock drafts. Look, these mock drafts were so different 
You know, I, I, I'm not sure if I can find a mock draft with Jahan Dotson at 16, but you can find Jahan Dotson in the early 20s in a lot of these mock drafts. And you see Jahan Dotson in almost every first round, you know, certainly with, you know, with Kansas City in Green Bay at the end of the first round. And you thought, you know, receiver was going to be uh, an emphasis for those two teams. As it turns out, uh, Kansas City traded up and took Trent McDuffie, the corner, and and then took uh, the pass rusher from Purdue and Green Bay with their two picks. Once again, they don't take a receiver. They take Quay Walker, the linebacker from Georgia. And then they took um, uh, uh, Devontae Wyatt uh, also from Georgia. Georgia had five uh, defensive players uh, go in the first round. Um, uh, that's the most, I think, of all time or since 67 or something like that. Uh, anyway, when when Alave went, I was then thinking Dotson. But I thought maybe another trade back is in the works. And they had a chance to trade back. Could have been two trade backs last night. Listen to Martin Mayhew talk about the second opportunity that existed after they had moved back to 16. We had an opportunity. Honestly, it's really funny because when Jahan was there, we talked about it. We had an offer to go back. We decided to turn the pick in, and all of a sudden the phone rang, three different teams calling at the same time. And I had one phone and, and then the other phone, and I'm handing other people to talk to people. So there were opportunities there, and it's funny because coming into it, everybody was trying to move back. But once we got in or, you know, around 11, 12, 13, people started trying to move up. Uh, so you know, it, it, it worked out great for us. We're really excited about Jahan and what he brings to the table. Again, his versatility, his playmaking ability, and he's an awesome young man as well. So they had a chance to trade back, Martin Mayhew said, and pick up more draft choices, which was one of the big goals in this draft. But they didn't want to lose out on the possibility of Jahan Dotson. Maybe they trade back into the early 20s and have a chance at Dotson, but maybe they don't. Uh, They didn't want to risk it, which to me tells all of you that believe that Dotson was somehow a panic pick because they didn't get Alave or Williams. Um, And and, uh, and that th- th- he wasn't necessarily plan you know, A or plan B. I think he was part of plan B. Plan A was London. Plan A was Drake London. And he wasn't an option because he was gone at eight overall. They could have drafted Alave. They could have drafted Williams. And, you know, if Alave and Dotson had been there at 16, I'm not sure what they would have done. Um, if Alave, Williams, and Dotson had all been there at 16, I'm not sure what they would have done. It, I, I know they liked Dotson. I think they liked all of these guys, and they were all kind of in this bucket of four, Burks not included, okay? Traylon Burks not included. What's clear is they liked Dotson more than Burks, clearly, because Burks was on the board as well. He went two picks later to Tennessee. Uh, but Dotson, Williams, and Alave – um, were all uh, guys that they liked, along with Wilson too, guys that they liked that were down the list from London. London was plan A, and that group of four was plan B. Now, I'm sure they had them ranked in some order, but I think they were going to be pleased uh, to get any one of the four if they had an opportunity to trade down a little bit uh, and knew that one of those four would fall to at least 16. And maybe out of the four, the one that was most likely to fall was going to be Dotson because he wasn't mocked you know, anywhere near 16. I like the player. I don't 
don't mind the position as mentioned. Uh, and um, uh, again, uh, I, I, I would have taken Kyle Hamilton at 11, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling um, like somehow, uh, you know, as many of you have said here over the last uh, 12 to, to 18 hours, they, they can't do anything right. They mess everything up. I don't think they mess this up. I think Jamin Davis was a little bit of a reach last year. I think some of you would describe Jahan Dotson as a reach. I wouldn't. Uh, I think the more interesting part now is how do they get, if everybody's healthy, all of these guys out onto the field and get them all enough touches. I think this is going to be the challenge for Scott Turner. He's got a he's got a real quarterback who can make all the throws. He's got now if everybody's healthy. He's got Terry McLaurin. He's got Jahan Dotson. He's got Curtis Samuel. He's got Logan Thomas. He's got Antonio Gibson. He's got J.D. McKissick. You know they have and and they've got Cam Sims. You know, you can pretty much, you know, I can tell you right now what the receiver room is going to look like um, now that, you know, they drafted uh, Dotson. It's going to be Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, and Cam Sims. Could there be a sixth, like a Dax Milne? You know, I know they like him as, uh, as a potential punt returner, but Dotson can be their punt returner as well. But that's their receiver room right now. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson, Deami Brown, Cam Sims, and if they keep a sixth, it would probably be Dax Milne because they liked him last year and they like him as a potential punt returner, but I think they'll use Dotson as a punt returner as well. Now we know, by the way, um, why DeAndre Carter wasn't an emphasis. I, I mean, they wanted London, and London wouldn't have been a punt returner, but they would have used more likely than not Dax Milne as their punt returner or somebody else. I mean, there's, you know, they could have used uh, – I mean, Danny Johnson's done kickoff returns. Uh, you've got Jared Patterson. Who knows if he makes the team. Uh, I would think the three backs will be Gibson, McKissick, and Patterson again this year, although they, they really liked Jonathan Williams um, at the end of last year. And uh, they could add a back uh, in the draft tonight or tomorrow. Okay, so there you go. Thoughts on uh, uh, Jahan Dotson. I mean, I'm not going to grade it. It takes three years to grade. I think if there's a regret three years from now about taking Dotson, it's going to be more a regret about not taking Kyle Hamilton at 11. Because I don't think Dotson's bust potential is very high at all. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player at the next level. I really do. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad they have him. Uh, and in many ways, it's weird, but I've said this about Drake London. I, I was, I'm, I'm, it's not that I wasn't a big fan of, of London, but he wasn't my favorite receiver. Garrett Wilson was my favorite receiver. But I liked Dotson more than Alave. Uh, I think Dotson and Alave are kind of comparable I don't think there's that much difference. Now, Jameson Williams, you know, I don't think he was going to be an option for this team anyway because it's clear they want to win this year, and Williams wasn't going to be ready more likely than not until October. Uh, but I, I do like Dotson. I like the pick. I like the pick. Uh, you know, I think, you know, for those that say should have traded back and picked up another, you know, third rounder, uh, you know, another third and fourth round combination for another five spots and you still could have gotten them. That's not an unreasonable argument. 
it's possible that they could have gotten him if they had traded back, you know, a few spots. If they had traded back with, I mean, Pittsburgh didn't need to trade up. You know, uh, Kansas City went up to 21 to take McDuffie. Would Kansas City have been a possibility of trading with Washington all the way up to 16? I don't know. Maybe Green Bay wanted one of the receivers that were still there, Dotson or or Burks. Would they have traded up potentially and, and then maybe you lose one of them? I think they did the right thing. I think there was too much risk with a guy as talented as Dotson in a draft that was very unpredictable. Now, uh, as far as what happens tonight, I think that they're going to go, as I said yesterday, if they got the receiver, they were going to look for that safety or that Buffalo nickel position, you know, which could be a linebacker as well. But I think there are a couple of safeties. I think Jalen Petrie from Baylor is a possibility. I know that they like him. Uh, I think uh, Brisker from Penn State. I think Nick Cross from Maryland is a player that I like. I don't know if it's a second-round pick, but it's definitely a third-round possibility for Cross. Um, but uh, those are the players to consider at safety. At inside linebacker, Nicobe Dean is still there. Nicobe Dean, five Georgia defensive players drafted in the first round, and one of them isn't Nicobe Dean. You could have made a lot of money probably two months ago, even a month ago, if you had said five defensive players from Georgia taken in the first round. And I'll bet that N'Kobe Dean isn't one of them. Uh, at one point, you know, certainly late in the season, he was considered a top five to top ten pick. And the first player that would get, that would get selected from Georgia's defense in the draft uh, if you watch Nicobe Dean, if you watch Georgia last year, you know number 17 was all over the field. I personally love Nicobe Dean. I don't know why he's there. Maybe there are reasons for it that you know only they would know, the evaluators would know, that we wouldn't know. Uh, but I love Nicobe Dean. Uh, is he going to be there at 47? Who the hell knows? Um, in terms of other uh, linebacker possibilities, uh, the kid from Wyoming, a lot of people like Chad Muma, um, and there are a couple of others uh, as well uh, out there. You know, you can also you know look at offensive guard or tackle because remember, if there, there's a tackle out there that they love, they could always move Cosme inside. You know, that's always a possibility. Um, but there are a couple of guards out there. The guy Parham from Memphis. Um, there's a kid from um, uh, Oklahoma uh, as well, uh, Hayes. So there are a couple of names out there uh, at guard and some tackles out there as well uh, that could be possibilities uh, for them uh, tonight. But they've got two picks tonight, okay? Uh, they've got their 47 uh, in the second round and then 98. And when I say that that is the end of the third round, the third rounder that they got uh, from New Orleans, um, it is uh, one of the compensatory picks. Um, you know, I think there are like seven or eight compensatory picks added to the end of the third round, and that's the pick they got from New Orleans, a compensatory pick number 98 overall. So they've got 47 and 98. And remember, 47, you know, was 42. Uh, but the Colts uh, rested five spots out of Washington as part of the Carson Wentz deal, along with, you know, two uh, two thirds, one of which will be a second, more likely than not, next year, uh, and twenty eight point three million dollars in salary cap hit. Washington got a seventh back. 
Uh, but now Washington's got eight picks, and who knows, they could parlay their second rounder or third rounder or fourth rounder uh, into more. The only round they don't have a pick in is the fifth. Um, right now they have two sevenths. So they've got a second, a third, a fourth, a sixth, and two sevenths left um, in this draft. Um, and uh, we will see uh, what uh, happens here. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 I like – by the way, they have two fourth-rounders, of course. They have two fourth-rounders. They have a second. They have a third. They have two fourths. They have a sixth, and they have a seventh. So that's six more – and two sevenths. So that's seven more picks combined with the one they made. It, it's eight selections right now. They started uh, yesterday with six. A couple of other things from last night. What about just the draft in general last night? It was really exciting. I mean, the unpredictability of it, the trades, obviously the Philadelphia trades, Philadelphia being able – Philadelphia had a great night. You know, the division – had a great night. The Giants may have, you know, rolled the dice a little bit on the person, Kayvon Thibodeau, but not the talent. And then they got one of those big tackles, Evan Neal. Uh, I think, by the way, one of the more interesting stories of the day yesterday was that the Giants aren't picking up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. That is interesting. Uh, and then Philadelphia. Wow. Uh, what uh, what a day they had. Um, first of all, you know, they 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 take Jordan Davis at at 13 um, after trading up uh, to get Jordan Davis. Uh, then they trade for A.J. Brown uh, and give him the deal. A hundred million, four years, 25 million a year. Terry McLaurin's had one hell of an offseason with all of these deals. Uh, I'll actually ask John about that a little bit later on when we talk to John Kime, uh, just about uh, where they are, because Ron Rivera actually had an interesting comment about the A.J. Brown trade. Philadelphia is, you know, all of a sudden, Philadelphia on offense, okay? The quarterback is a question mark. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick last year. A.J. Brown, star. You know, I like A.J. Brown a lot. I really do. Jalen Rager looks right now like a mini bust at this point, but he was a first-round pick. Uh, And let's not forget, they've got a really good pass-catching tight end in Dallas Goddard and a phenomenal back in Miles Sanders. Uh, They've got an excellent offensive line when healthy. And then they've got Jalen Hurts. You know, but Jalen Hurts as a runner last year and their rushing attack is what carried them to the postseason. You know, they had a lot of injuries on defense, Brandon Graham, uh, but they've got him back. They've got Fletcher Cox, who will play side by side with Jordan Davis, one of the true freak inside defensive tackles we've seen in the draft in a long time. Uh, Derek Barnett. They have four number, uh, four first round picks along that defensive front. Two of them are older, understand that, and Graham and Cox. Um, and then they've got Hassan Reddick. They've got you know Darius Slay. Uh, that team is a good football team on paper if Jalen Hurts can take the next step. And I thought last year at times Jalen Hurts was pretty damn good. He was not good in the playoff game, that is for sure, when they got blown out by Tampa. Uh, but right now it's Dallas and Philly and then Washington in the NFC East. Uh, that's the way it's going to stay, I think, up until uh, opening day. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of other other things real quickly before we get to J.P. Finley, uh, the first of three guests on the show. 
Number one is Chris Paul last night had an all-time NBA playoff game. I'm sure nobody saw it, and I wasn't watching it, although Jahan Dotson was watching it last night. Uh, said that he wasn't expecting to go at 16. He was watching the Suns-Pelicans game last night. Chris Paul had the all-time um, most made shots without missing in a playoff game last night. 14 of 14 from the floor. Uh, also went four for four from behind, uh, 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 one, one for one from behind the arc, four for four from the free throw line. Had 33 points, eight assists in 36 minutes as a 36 year old in game six on the road to close out the Pelicans. I know Tommy and I had that conversation about Chris Paul. He's not a top five point guard ever. He's not, not in my opinion. But Chris Paul's one of the greats. And Chris Paul in a big spot last night. Devin Booker was back. That was huge for Phoenix. But Chris Paul had a big, big night. Um, Secondly, uh, the Wizards play-by-play voice, Justin Kutcher, of the last three years, uh, Justin replaced uh, the legendary uh, Steve Buckhans, my good friend. Um, Buck and Phil were the best, uh, one of the best pairings locally uh, of all time. And nobody was happy about Phil getting replaced and then Buck getting replaced by Justin Kutcher. Kutcher called the games for three years, and he tweeted out uh, just moments ago, after three great years calling Washington's wi- Washington Wizards games on NBC uh, Sports Washington, I've decided to pursue other opportunities. I want to thank NBC Sports Washington, the Wizards organization, and all of the D.C. fans for welcoming me into your homes. You've got a fan for life and hope our paths will cross again. Wow. Just three years. It sounds like it was his choice. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. It could have been a negotiation or contract negotiation thing. Uh, but, you know, there's just 32 of these guys in the league. I don't know where he's headed. But I do know this. Two things. One, I actually thought Justin called a pretty good game. I do. And that, that was hard for me to admit uh, because I am very, very biased and partial to my friend Steve Buckhantz, who I think is one of the greats ever um, at doing this. Um, but I didn't think Justin was that bad. I thought he was a pretty decent play-by-play guy. Um, but with him gone, come on, Ted, Zach, just hire Buck back. I mean, it's ridiculous if you don't. Buck is healthy. He is with it. He is far, far from losing his fastball. He's been doing games here and there. You know, give him the gig. Um, Also, uh, one last thing, the NFL announced uh, the first game uh, on their schedule next year, or the first game that they've announced, not the first game. The first game will be the Rams hosting somebody uh, on that Thursday night opener. But the first Amazon Prime Thursday night game, which will be the second Thursday of the NFL football season, Thursday, September 15th, Chargers and Chiefs. So if these games are going to start getting leaked out here over the next few days, I will have my mock schedule ready to go early next week. All right, J.P. Finley, when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Still plenty of prop bets at MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. Plenty of NBA action, and the NHL playoff action gets underway early next week. Night one of the NFL draft is over. Jahan Dotson is a Washington commander wide receiver. J.P. Finley is with us right now. Of course, J.P. hosts 10. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on 106.7 The Fan with Brian Mitchell. He's got a great podcast. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, they picked Jahan Dotson after trading back. Your reaction is what? Um, I mean, to me, it's kind of like two different transactions. I I like the trade. I, I, I might have taken Jameson Williams there. I, I really, really like him as a player. I think if a guy misses three or four games early in his career for you and then becomes a great receiver like nobody's going to worry about the three or four games but I, I like the trade they, they needed more they needed more picks when you, when you acquire Carson Wentz and then you refuse to rework his trade and that eats up all your cap space and you have to cut starters and you're not able to backfill those positions they have depth issues all over the place that they have to get hopefully resolved by this draft they had to, they had to trade back they had to acquire more picks so I was cool with that. Um, I would have taken Burks. Clearly, they wanted a receiver. I like Burks a lot. I know that maybe that's a little split out there. Um, I like Dotson. I I just don't know that I like him at 16. I I, I would have preferred they keep trading back and then try to get Dotson. I I think 
Um, you know, I think there was clearly like a tier of wideouts that they were comfortable getting out of. And I, it's not that I don't like the pick. I just not sure I like it where it went down. Why do you think they didn't like Hamilton at 11? It seemed like they knew they had to acquire more picks rather than just not liking Hamilton. And I think the need for, I mean, they had two picks in the top 100 and three in the top 150. I think they just knew that the need for picks was greater than the need for safety. I think probably some positional value came in play there, um, even though they'll never admit to that. But and maybe they had some questions internally. I, I don't I don't know. Um, I, you know, I've heard that they're, like around the league, there's kind of um, some split opinions have emerged on him. Um and you kind of see it when everybody talks about him as a top five guy, and then he goes fourteen. Uh, I don't know that they didn't like. I think, I mean, Mayhew basically said it on Monday. The need for picks was going to drive a lot of their decisions, and I think it absolutely drove them at eleven. I wonder if they thought maybe a lot of it would fly to them at sixteen or something. But I really think they liked Dotson. I. It's tough because I don't think they get the benefit of the doubt after the Davis trade or after the Davis pick last year. But they think, I mean, I'm sure you watched it, but like being in the room with Ron and Mayhew last night for their press conference, it was an incredibly, incredibly confident and pleased group of football executives that that took the podium last night. I, I think they... I think they firmly believe they hit a smash, and it, it, you know they got they got more picks as they wanted. They got a guy that I was told was top four on their draft on their wide receiver board. So that means one of the kind of the tier above them that that, that, that kind of had kind of emerged wasn't there at least for them, um, which I find pretty interesting. And I don't know exactly who that would be, but. Uh, my guess is Williams. Maybe they had medical questions or something. But they're they're excited about it, and they were excited about Jamin Davis last year. So they they kind of put themselves in a situation where people are going to be a little skeptical. Um, I think maybe there's some skepticism coming in because of last year's draft, and then you make a move where the kid, the the, the rookie, said, "Yeah, I was expecting to go late first, early second, and I was watching an NBA game on my phone." <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I look. I I I know that they liked him too. Uh, they liked London more than any of them. I think you know that too. And I and he I was think number one, I yeah, think, yeah. And he he was number one by a lot. But I you know I was told a week and a half ago that that Dotson was part of that next group that they really liked him. And and I wasn't there last night like you were, but you could hear how giddy they were. You know, in, in playing back this sound this morning. And look, oh, they yeah. they were offered. You know, according to Mayhew, they were offered opportunities to move back just a little bit further, but they didn't want to lose this guy. Um, and, you know, look, when they, there's something to be said, too. I was thinking about this actually after the show this morning. There's something to be said about they met with Burks 
they only barely spoke to Dotson. Maybe the meeting with Burks, because they liked him as a player, was, you know, uh, turned him off in some way. They liked Dotson. I like the player a lot, personally. But I want to go back to 11. We both think that if London had been there, they would have stayed at 11 and and, and taken Drake London. You agree with that, right? 100%. So do you think that if one of the three offensive linemen had dropped to 11, that they would have stayed there and taken one of them? That's a really good question. And we kind of, like, in the media room last night, started debating that at, like, um, when did when did Cross go? Nine, I think? I, like, yeah, we Cro- Cro- like, Cross wow. went nine. Yeah, Cross went nine to Seattle. He was the last of the you three. Know, so maybe at, like, eight, we're like, what happens if he gets to 11? I think there's a scenario. I mean, hell, if you just take Ron at face value for two months, he's been saying, "Yeah, we got to protect Carson and get him playmakers." Exactly. So that, that kind of created a scenario where a lineman could have been on the board, especially somebody if they had rated really high that slipped. Now, by drafting what is obviously a tackle, kind of would have created a tricky, uh, you know, a little bit of an interesting scenario with. Cosby kicking inside the guard, probably. Right. right. Um, but I, I think they'll add. I think I think they'll add linemen now. I, I think I think one of the best things that I expect to happen is the uh, the myth they tried to spin of Cole Holcomb becoming your middle linebacker will now be dispelled, and they'll draft one. There's a ton of good off-ball linebackers, kind of between. I'd say 40 and 70. I don't think one of those guys lands with them. Um, the lineman thing is interesting. I don't know what would have happened there, but uh, I think they obviously wanted a wide out because you and I both know how much they love London. Um, they ended up taking Dotson probably ahead of where many expected him to go. Um, and just go back and listen to what they said. I think you're, you were probably onto something with Burks, Kev, because – Ron afterwards explained they only met with Dotson once because that's all they need. They, they right. learned everything they needed to know about the young man. Yeah. And he told this story about he only met Luke Keekley once pre-draft, and he knew everything he needed to know. But when they drafted Cam Newton, he met with him a bunch because he really had a lot of questions. So maybe there's something there. Maybe – and I – I think maybe league-wide there's a couple questions about Burks. I, I don't know. But uh, I, what I do know is a lot of what they liked about London was that it was something different from the rest of the group with the size and the ability to, to kind of go up and get it. Burks, is the old, Burks would have given you something similar. He would have been something different than the group you've assembled. Dotson's fairly similar to the group they've assembled. Yeah, and I'm, I want to ask you, I've got three more. I know you're running to get to your show. Number one, you liked the, the, uh, you know, the acquisition of the additional picks, and I'm, I'm all for that too unless there's you know, an absolute stud. You don't want to pass on a stud if he's there, and they wouldn't have passed on London. Who knows if they would have passed on Cross had he fallen to 11. Um, but my first reaction, even before I looked at some of the draft value charts, 
was it wasn't enough. You know, those are five crucial spots, you know, 11 to 16 in a first round. And I just thought, I don't know, getting a, a third round pick that's really near the end of the third round and, you know, yeah. a top third of, of, of a fourth round pick wasn't enough. And, you know, I heard Mayhew last night and I saw all this stuff, you know, on Twitter last night. It's like, if you go with the old draft value charts, they got fleeced. If you go with the updated analytics charts from the over the cap guy, they had, you know, they hit a home run, but even Mayhew said, you know, they used two charts and on one of them, they didn't do well. And on the other one, they did very well. It really is a subjective thing in the moment, you know, and, and nobody follows the charts to a T, but overall you think they got good value for moving down five spots. I think two things. So I actually ended up, I asked both Ron and Martin about the value and the charts last night because I, I think it was. I saw the answers. So those were your questions. I saw the answers, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, I just thought it was important to get some context to mm-hmm. how they, you know, how do you arrive at that equation? Right. Right. And I, I, one thing, so like I, I you know, I added it up. 11's worth twelve fifty. The collection of picks they got back was worth about eleven twenty five or something. I don't remember offhand, but I, I just think this draft is so unique because the the draft value chart, the old school chart, is so heavily skewed towards top picks being worth so much more than later picks. That's right. And I just think in this draft, that's not really applicable. Okay. I mean, because think about what really drives that draft value chart is quarterbacks at the top. And so if you're going to be putting together a draft day trade for quarterbacks, that's why the fifth pick is so dramatically weighted against the, the 25th. But this draft had no quarterbacks. I, I, I just, I think, I think the valuations in this draft are, are just a little bit different. And that's why I was, I mean, I, I've been, strongly saying they need to trade down, and that needs to be the top priority. That, where I do agree with you, though, is not that we agree or disagree, but the the third being the comp pick from the Saints. Yeah. Um, I'm in the truck, so I don't have it in front of me. Like, what what is the Saints' actual third? Like, you would have liked to get that, because I'm guessing that's like a 15-slot gap. Like, I, I don't know, but... I'm I'm um, I'm looking at it right now. Um so they have uh they don't have another third round pick. That was the third round uh, pick so that they, they had. Give that up to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they How about Philly's draft? Yeah, I know. I mean, I I I talked about that in the in the open here is that you know the the Philly activity and the Giants as well. I mean, but Philly from a playmaker standpoint um, yeah, I actually think you know Washington from a playmaker standpoint is is now pretty good. And so, uh, enough about the draft value chart because it, it, the bottom line is if you use one of the old ones, the difference between eleven and sixteen is like two hundred and fifty points. You know, much different than looking at the true top five or six and the value assigned to those. And it just means that maybe they should have gotten a better third round pick or maybe an additional fourth. You know, if they had one or an additional fifth, which New Orleans had but whatever um and they don't have a fifth right Uh, new orleans new orleans does have a fifth they have a fifth in washington washington doesn't have a fifth that's right exactly so you know 
I think we both know that they like their playmakers healthy, like they love Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel, and they do still have faith in De'Ami Brown. So even going into this offseason, I'm like, I know they want to add a playmaker, but if they don't, it's not the worst thing in the world if everybody's healthy. But, man, does Scott Turner, JP, you know, he's got a boatload to work with in this upcoming season. Like, I'm wondering how he's going to use all of them. Curtis Samuel and Dotson and McLaurin, there are a lot of similarities among all of them. And then you throw McKissick into the mix, and really the only outlier in terms of the players that you know are going to be on the field is the tight end with his size and Logan Thomas. Like, how do you see Scott Turner with an upgraded quarterback, no matter how we feel about Wentz, he's an upgrade, um, and now a lot of playmakers? Yeah, I, I mean, I think offensive. You know what's funny is everybody's screaming that the offense needs to be better. The defense was worse last year. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's true. I, I, one, I wonder when you get Logan back on the field because keep in mind he got injured the first week in December. Um, so I don't know that that's a week one type thing, and we'll learn more about that. But uh, I, I think everybody, John Dotson last night talked about his versatility. Rivera talked about his versatility. Mayhew talked about his versatility. But there was one moment that I found really telling, and I think it was 48 asked him, kind of, you know, what are Dotson's strengths for you? So something relatively, like, generic to get a coach talking about the guy they just drafted. And um, and Ron immediately, like, no hesitation, was like, inferior route run. And to me, that just means he's going to be their slot guy. And I, and I think that's where he projects anyway. Right. And what Scott does a bunch of, though, is move his receivers around. He does, and they yeah. run a bunch of stacks and bunches and stuff. So I, I think there'll be enough movement there. Um, it's funny. You, you talk about the weapons, and I agree with you. They have weapons, but I think a ton of it hinges on Curtis Samuel's health and Logan Thomas's knee. They're really excited about Samuel. They think he could have a monster season for them. Uh, I, I know a lot of fans are skeptical about it until they see him on the field. Yeah, and I, my skepticism is, is probably more Wentz-related, but um, they, they have a lot. The offense should be significantly better than last year, last few years, really, and especially if you can get some steady play at the, at the quarterback position. All right, what's next? What are they going to get tonight? And they've got two picks now tonight. Um, what? What? G- give me some names. Kind of weird, but I, the Penn State safety Brisker, um, uh, yeah, Brisker, I, I think could make a lot of sense. They got, I think they got to solve that middle linebacker thing. I, I really like the Georgia kid, Nicobe Dean. So do um, I. There's a, a Wisconsin kid, uh, Chanel, that tested off the charts. So big, strong guy. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind a corner. Uh, the, the corner out of Houston, my boy Pete Love. Uh, I think it's Marco Davis. Um, I think eventually they need to draft a running back, but I don't see that happening until tomorrow. I think they'll move again. And I don't, I don't know that they'll take both fourth rounders. Um, but I, I like Dean a lot. We, we, we uh, had an interview with him. He's just an impressive young man. I talked to people from Georgia, and, you know, that, that, that Bulldog team is obviously loaded, loaded. But more than one person told me that, Dean was the best player on that defense. And maybe that's kind of a situational thing and a, and a you know, being a leader and all that. But I, uh, I, I think he steps in right away. I think, I think 
he helps them as a player, but I think he would help Jamin Davis a ton and take the pressure off there. Uh, I don't know. It, it should be a fun night. God, I feel the same way about N'Kobe Dean. I'm so surprised. Like, if you if we went back, I was saying to Brendan this morning, if we went back just two months and somebody said five Georgia defensive players go in the first round, what are the odds Dean isn't one of them? It would have been, it literally would have been like plus 3,000, um, you know, because many people thought, you know, at, during the season he'd be the first defensive player selected. I think sometimes you just got to watch the games. And number 17, was everywhere uh, for them uh, all season long on a, on a great defense, and that would be a great pick. I like your Brisker thing. I think Petrie's a, a, another one from Baylor. I like Nick Cross from Maryland too, and I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, you didn't mention quarterback, but let me just ask you: um, if at forty-seven. Let's just say Corral, which Jeremy Fowler reported about the other day, them kicking the tires, you know, and Malik Willis are there. Do you think there's any chance? I don't. Um, I, I wouldn't, like, I'm not saying it. I, I was very definitive that nothing was going to happen at 11 or in the first round. I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I, I'd give it like a 10%, 15% chance of happening. I, uh, I I don't know. I, I know that members of that staff really think Willis can become a, a heck of a player down the road. Um, I just, I honestly would like it, <laughs> but maybe I, I'm a uh, yeah. button for punishment. Um, I, to me, not reworking Wentz's deal tells you a lot about the marriage of the commanders and Carson Wentz. And, and, it, it, it's a marriage with a prenup, dude, and and I think uh, it wouldn't be the worst idea to plan for the long haul. And I think either of those guys, I, Corral, both of them have the kind of personality questions. I, I never met Corral. I got to meet and talk to Malik, and, and I was impressed by him. But I, I mean, it was ten minutes in a hotel lobby. So what is that really? You know, I, I, it's hardly a character assessment. Um, I, I, what scares me with Malik Willis, and I've said this all throughout the process, is he, he was playing at Auburn, and he transferred to Liberty. Like, these guys transfer all the time, and you go from Auburn to Nebraska or, or Auburn to Arizona <laughs> or State. Or Ohio like, State to LSU. Stayed. Yeah, uh, Joe right. Burrow. Like, you you um, could have stayed in a Power yeah. 5 situation. I, I just don't know. All right, uh, one last one, I promise you. Who's the pick that you think they didn't make that they could have made at 11 or 16 that you think they'll regret not making? Uh, at 11, James Williams. I, I, I really, really like that young man. Uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. we got to get out and hit some uh, golf balls soon. As long as you don't mind me Brain it right off the tee. Yeah, Mr. 18 Handicap, and all of a sudden he ends up with like seven <laughs> pars on the round. Uh, I'll talk to you later. See ya. See John Kime next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Inside the 15. Clipper with time over the middle. Dotson with room. Out past the 50. Dotson is gone. 86-yard touchdown for Jahan Dotson. All right, joining us now, John Kime. Of course, John covers the team for ESPN. Everybody knows that. John underscore Kime on Twitter. Uh, John's got a podcast as well, the John Kime Report. That's an excellent podcast. Uh, let's uh, go over last night, and then we'll talk about tonight. So what was your reaction to the trade back and the selection of Jahan Dotson? Well, let's start. We'll go with the trade back first. So first of all, I knew how much they liked Chris Olave. So when they traded that pick, I'm like, okay, you like there's someone else there that they really like. And you're comfortable enough that you're trading that, knowing that there are a couple guys that you like who could be there later. I really like that they got those extra picks because all along, I'm not alone in saying, it was, I was not alone in saying this, that you needed to add picks in rounds two through four because that's where there was intense value in this draft. And every time I would talk about this draft, Kevin, it would be, well, in rounds two through four, you could get, there's offensive linemen they like, and there's a linebacker they like, and there's you know the Buffalo Nickel guys they like in that, whether it's a safety or a linebacker, and there's this guy they like there. Well, all of a sudden you add it up, and there's like five five guys that you think, or five areas that you think you should address, and they had two picks. So getting those extra picks is huge. When they traded back, the first guy I thought of was Jahan Dotson, because I knew they liked him right. as well. And I would mention him on occasion, like, if they trade back, Jahan Dotson, you have, that's, that's the guy to watch, because I know they liked him. So I wasn't surprised. I will say that I'm surprised at 16 that that's where he went. And so that part I get. I'm like everybody else, and I, I think he's a good player. Um, I, like I said, I thought he would go. Like I thought if they traded back into the low 20s, that's where you'd get him. Um, so it was a little bit high, but um, I know that there was some calls back to move back. But the concern was, the fear was, would you still get him there? And I think they did not feel confident in that which is why they pulled the trigger at 16 rather than moving back again and taking a chance. Because I think the other guy they would have taken in that scenario was Traylon Burke, and he would have been gone too. So you would have lost your, your, you know, one of your top season targets. Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement with that. I mean, uh, I, I, I knew they liked Dotson as well. I mean, you agree with me and, and, and JP, who I just had on as well, that – London, if he were there at 11, they would have taken London. Oh, yeah. That's a million percent accurate. Yes. That I would bet my mortgage on that. Now, that's, now here's the other thing. That's like, well, what if, one of, what if Evan Neal had fallen there? Well, that, okay. But short of that, the receiver at 11, they absolutely would have stayed there to take. They would not have traded out. would have been Drake London. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, what I asked, I talked about this on the radio show, and I, and I asked JP this because I think this is interesting. What if one of the offensive linemen, let's just say it was Cross, let's say he doesn't get picked by Seattle and doesn't get picked by the Jets, and he was there at 11. Do you think they would have taken him at 11? That one is harder for me because I know they liked him. I definitely know they liked him. But did they like him enough to go in that direction? I'm, 
for our NFL Mason mock draft on ESPN, I had that choice, and I still went with Drake London because I knew how much they liked him, and I knew that they wanted to add a weapon. And I had talked to some people over there earlier in the process who were like, they didn't want to grab an offensive lineman in the first round unless it was one of those like Neil or Ekwanu. Um, but I think you'd have, you know, so I, I would lean toward London, but I'm not positive on that because I know that, that he would have fit a big hole for them. You could plug him at the right side and you can slide Cosby into right guard and you could feel good about the athleticism at right guard, replacing Sheriff, and you can feel good you have a couple of young linemen to build around. So let, let's. But I still want to say, I'm sorry, Kevin. I still would have leaned toward London because, which is what I picked in our mock draft. Because what? I'm sorry. I said in our mock draft, I faced that choice, and I still went with London. So I would have leaned there because, right? I mean, the value there, and plus I knew. But what I'm guys. saying, but what I'm saying, if London was gone, but but Cross was oh, there, London was gone. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm okay. saying. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think they would have taken Cross. I think they would have taken Cross. Yeah, okay. Uh, That's no, there is no doubt in my mind that London was the pick at 11 if he was there. That was their fantasy. That was the, you know, what I was told if the, they're hoping the draft breaks right. And breaking right meant London dropping to 11. Now, um, when they made the trade back, my initial thought was what yours was. It's like they think they can get Alave at 16, but then when Alave got picked, I immediately. Immediately thought of Dotson because I knew he was in a group with Alave and and Williams right. and and Wilson and then Williams you know Wilson was already gone Williams went um, but I I really do and I talked about this in the open uh, the uh, of the show. I don't think this was what some people are describing it as, which was, oh, well, the, you know, the, the, they were down to, you know, Dotson and Burks, and they didn't love him as much as they loved Williams. I think they loved Dotson. Not, they didn't love oh. anybody like they loved London, but I think they were, they absolutely thought, okay, 16 and if Alave's gone, uh, the, it, 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 Dotson's fine. I'm not, I'm not actually totally convinced that if Dotson and Alave had both been on the board at 16, it still wouldn't have been Dotson. They really like Dotson. Now, I, I would always say, like, I think they had a lobby a little bit ahead. Okay. But, but I don't know, like, what was the gap there? And, like, I don't know that there was a big gap if, there, if one exists. It could have been, like, a 1A and 1B for them. And it could also depend on day. I know how much they would like him. I know that they felt like the two most pro-ready receivers were Olave and Dotson. And they loved um, Dotson's pro day, like well, they were there, and it wasn't just the reason they took him was the pro day, but they had a lot of people at that pro day, and they had a lot, of, and they and I know how much they liked Olave, that you know we, we saw the stuff from his pro day. So I, I can't say for sure they would have taken him. I do think they would have taken Olave, um, but part of that is because I think maybe I spent more time talking to people about Olave, right, and that you know maybe that's why I think that, but I. But I know that they really, really liked him. And yeah, and uh, here's the other thing, Kevin. It's when you look at it, it's, it's as you know, it's not just Olave versus Dotson. It's Olave versus Dotson and a third and a fourth round pick. Right. Like in this draft, those picks could yield starters. In because it's a deep draft in that area, so you get you could possibly have picked up, you know, uh, um, you picked up your starting slot and then. Then you get a possibly an offensive lineman third round, and what else do you get in the fourth round? I don't know, but like, it's a guy who should, if they draft right, 
should be a big contributor, or at least a key contributor for you at some point. <clears throat> so if they draft right. So that's that's how, you know, is it, is Olave is not that much better than Dotson to warrant passing that possibility up. But you're right. Like, it's not – it was not – there was not if there was a gap between it, it's not the, between them. It wasn't very big at all. Yeah, and I think also the proof that this wasn't some sort of oh, we missed out on Alave and Williams after missing out on London, which we never had a chance to get. Um, we need a wide receiver. We're gonna just we're gonna draft one. No, because if that were true, they would have they wouldn't have risked. Um, you know, they, they would have gone ahead and risked going back a few spots with Burks and Dots and if they didn't care as much about Dotson as they did. Right. I mean, they wanted Dotson. Right. They didn't want to lose Dotson there. They'd, they'd gotten the Correct. third and fourth. They could have traded back a little bit more and maybe still right. got Do- still gotten Dotson, or they right. may have risked losing him and settling for Burks because I think what's clear is they like Dotson more than Burks. Uh, that's oh, obvious. That's, that's, yeah, they obviously because they no, picked him and Burks went two picks right. later. Yeah. Right, but, um, if, but if they felt, and here's the other thing, like they could have traded back, but let's say, let's say Green Bay at 22 gives you that offer. Well, there's certainly Burks went before then, right? And there's no guarantee that that Dotson gets there. And I know, like everybody, kind of goes off those mock drafts. But the one thing I learned with these receivers in this this year is some teams really like a group of receivers. Like there were some teams who did not like Olave and Wilson, not to the degree that, like, certainly that this team did, and because they weren't, they didn't feel like they were physical enough. Right. That, that same group of coaches liked Dotson a lot. And so, like, you don't know where, like, we, you know, just because it says in a mock that this is where they go, we don't know. The Patriots took a guy, the Patriots took a guy in, the, in with their pick who was projected as a third rounder. So you never know. And I'm not even saying they're right or wrong. You just don't always know where these teams have. Now, I did talk to some who said a little bit high, but they they do like him. So, yeah. we'll, we'll see. So, uh, I, I've i tried to answer this. Um, I asked Ben this this morning. I asked JP this. I'm going to ask you this. Why not Kyle Hamilton at 11? <clears throat> Speed. Is that, is that the only reason? That's the big reason. Okay. I don't think it's a good enough reason. I think that's the one. And well, let me follow up. Uh, if I were to tell you that there's going to be a regret about this particular moment in the draft last night, three years from now, what's the regret going to be about? Well, I think you're going to say Kyle Hamilton. Yes, and and that's that's possible. But I think. Um, you know, the one that I would wonder about a little bit more, because it's all about health, is Jamison Williams. And um, because I think he's more of the game breaker that teams really would love. I like Kyle Hamilton, but that the speed, if you want. Now, here's the other thing, like, because there were times where, you know, what you hear is where if he didn't take the right angle on a, on a play, that it was going to be a big play. Because, you know what I mean, like, he had to do things right now. Having said that, I think if he's there at 16, that he's a different value than if he's there at 11 where you could trade back and get some picks and then still get him. I think that would have been a good move. Um, but, 
you know, so that, that anyway, but that's that's it. It's the speed. That's why he felt the six, that's why he felt that what is it, pick fifteen or whatever it is? That's why he fell there is because the 14, speed. Yeah. If he was if he if he had run a four 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 nine, he's he's gonna be there at eleven and they're taking him if he's there at eleven. Or he goes higher than that. But the speed is what concerned I think him and this team and others. So they he fell a little bit further because of it. I think because the Ravens took them, it opens eyes. Yes, because they have a great yeah. they have a great record. It's the same thing, like again with the guy the Patriots took, who was projected as a third rounder. Imagine what would be, imagine what would be said if this team took him. Well, because Belichick has the rings, you think, oh wow, what does he know that everybody else doesn't? And I think because the the Ravens took him, it's like okay, you know, and and so that you could be right, you know, you could be right. Like I like Kyle Hamilton, but especially in that Buffalo nickel role. But I think that, but what I've always known, and they, you probably knew this too, like there are guys there who are going to be there that they hope at 47 that yeah. I think could be, that they like a pretty good amount as well. All right, I'll ask you about that in a moment. Um, yeah, I, look, it's not just that Baltimore draft him. Baltimore drafting him just made it more obvious to me. And oh, let me right. just be clear on this. I like Jahan Dotson. I think he's going to be a good player. Look, you're you're a big Ohio State fan, so you've seen a lot of Dotson. My son's at Penn State. I've seen a lot of Dotson, and I yeah. love and I love the player. Um, we, we talked about yeah, him during no, like during the too. season, and I and I really like the player. And I don't think they're going to regret taking the player. I really don't. But I just wonder if Kyle Hamilton blows up into one of those Baltimore okay. defensive, not just stars, right. but potential Hall of Famers one day. I'm sorry, that's it. But what I also like about Kyle Hamilton, I thought the same thing about Derwin James. Now, I think Derwin James is better. Um, we're coming out, I thought Derwin James is better. But what I liked about both those guys, I think they're, you know, I get the word culture has been used so much here, but I think they're really good guys to have on your defense. Because I think it's the, it's the everything you hear about them as far as leadership, preparation, in addition to the fact that they're really good players, I always liked those kind of guys. So I would have been A-OK with Hamilton. Um, but I know that the speed was a concern at 11. Again, it's why he was still there when the Ravens picked. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, he, he could very well be that guy. because He's got a lot of really good traits. Um, but I think, you know, you know how it is. Like, if you, if you see the 40 time and then you see some plays on film that's like, oh, is that the reason, right? Then it's going to – it's going to cause yeah it just didn't show up on it just didn't show up on tape with his long arms with his in, anticipation and i don't know he played there fast were that, there were times that it did but there were also times where it's like because because he was very smart and played with really good anticipation which usually comes from study you know people don't just know like oh i know he's already here you know he's already here because you've studied and that's where i felt like he had a big edge and i also thought that he'd be smart um, to handle that that Buffalo nickel role, you know, which is, which is, you know, the hybrid linebacker safety for them. And he would have been really good in that role. But I think like, I think we'll talk about it in a minute. I think other guys can be too. So it always depends on what do you do now? And, um, but yeah, no, I, I like Kyle Hamilton. I just, like here, you know, the funny thing is in this draft, like there's a lot of guys that you like, and I can see, and there's no one that I would say, Oh, I love that guy. You know, there, you know, it's cause it, I don't know that there are that many of those types in this draft. But you can see, like, okay, this player, I like this and this about him, and I don't like this about him. That's a, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what this is. It's yeah. not, uh, so, like, there's a lot of things I like about Jahan Dotson, and there's things I like, okay, I have questions. 
about him. There are things I liked, loved, really liked about Drake London. I have questions about this. Same with Olave. And you know, just because you went to Ohio State doesn't mean I don't see, don't hear the questions, don't see the questions. You know, yeah. I think he'd have been good. I also know some people felt like wasn't physical enough. So, all right. So what's next? What happens tonight and tomorrow? So I think today I would expect them to find someone who can fill that Buffalo nickel role. And that probably at 47. So whether it's Jaquan Brisker going a two for two with Penn State, right. that's a possibility. If he's there, I would I would put you know I would think that he's a strong choice. There are also linebackers they feel can fill that role. So you have a guy like Troy Anderson from Montana State. I don't know if 47 would be too high for him. It might might be a little bit, but the kid's really athletic and he's played multiple positions. I think he's yeah, I hear he's pretty smart. I think he could handle that. It sounds like a guy that they feel could handle that. Role. He, he, by the way, so was the kid that he was the kid, by the way, that played quarterback also. Right, you know, before right, he switched right. to linebacker. Yeah, and I and I remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to lose this thought. I remember Ron Rivera. I asked him about Logan Thomas, and I said, "How much does it help him that he was a quarterback?" And he went on. His answer was five minutes long about how important that is. So I think that that's really an interesting observation about Troy Anderson. It might be too early, uh, uh, certainly, uh, certainly in the second round, um, but. Yeah, he was. And I think a, he, offensive line is. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I said offensive line is the other possibility, um, maybe more so in the third round, depending on who's there, depending on if who's not there at forty-seven. But offensive line is another area they'd like to address because, again, the things that Rivera has kept saying: protect the quarterback, yep. give him more weapons. They got the weapon now; you got to protect. Yeah, I, I also think the point that you made about Jahan Dotson being uh, super pro ready um, is a really interesting one because it it just kind of goes hand in hand with 2022, which they think they're close. They want guys who are ready to play. They're not, you know, they 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 want to fill their needs. They want to get the best possible product out there because they think it's six and six last year. They got derailed by COVID. They got derailed by injuries yep. and that they're not that far off. And with a more mature, you know, young defensive line coming back. And I'm talking about, you know, mental and maturity as much as physical maturity. Um, and, you know, the adding a few pieces and with the quarterback that can make all the throws that they can contend. And with Dotson, like you said, he is pro ready, you know, and by yeah. the way, he's a punt returner, you know, if, yeah. if they choose to use him as that. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're ahead. exactly right. And I think it also says Kevin too, that, you know, cause the other thing Rivera talked about is your three is a big deal. So how close they really think they are, being a you know an NFC contender versus just NFC East, you know that's debatable, right? And I don't know how much they, but what what they do know is you got to take a jump in year three. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you discount quarterback tonight completely? <sighs> Probably. I would be surprised. I would just say this: I'd be really surprised. What if Malik? Would you? I I. I don't know. I don't know how they feel about these people, other than Ron saying, you know, on Monday that they're, you know, if they didn't pull off the trade for Wentz, there was somebody that he specifically, you know, liked, and that would have been, you know, considered, you know, very early in the draft, and then, you know, the Jeremy Fowler report about kicking the tires on Matt Corral. 
Now, you know, yeah, I, I, I would say this. Yeah, I would be very surprised. And um, because all along I've heard exactly what he said publicly, which is um, later in the draft, developmental guy. Because here's the other thing, like, you know what, what did Carson Wentz have a problem with in Philly? Drafting Jalen Hurts in round two. Why would you trade for him, pay him, and then repeat that scenario? Well, because he might not be here in 2023. That, that may be, but you're trying to, if you're trying to maximize this guy, then, like, are any of these quarterbacks good enough to risk? And I, I, listen, if, I say that, if like, they're if not, if that the, word, the answer's easy if they're not, John. If they don't like these guys and they don't think any of these guys have massive upside right. you know, in the future, then the answer, of course, is no. But if they, right. if they actually think one of them has a big, big boom you know, scenario somewhere down the road, well, I personally think they'd be foolish not to take one of them. Yeah, and, and I don't... I don't I would say this, like, I don't think it'd be Matt Corral, um, but, you know, not based on what I'd heard. But I also would be, like I said, I mean, nothing, nothing I've heard would suggest that they're like, if this guy's there, you can't, you can't pass him up. Um, but I think there, 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 there may be a quarterback that they really like that they say, how can you pass this guy up? I don't think it'd be that, and I don't think it'd be in round two. So that you know, I just—it's not what I've heard. So if they yeah. do it, I think it's, it's also yeah. And I think it, listen, this is as many people say, it's lying season, smokescreen. Now, I don't what I what you what I try to do is like okay, what's been what I'm hearing over the years doesn't match up with the actions later. Like how much of it doesn't match up? Because if it doesn't match up, then you know that you're you're not being told accurate things. By and large, it matches up what you hear. Sometimes there might be a little bit off here and there as far as, like, you know, you like Jamin Davis, is 19 high, maybe a Latoya, you know, but you know they like the guy, right? Same with Dotson. And, but so, like, everything I've heard is quarterback, you know, day three, um, developmental guy, you know, a guy that I would watch is Carson Strong. But, you know, if they did that today, I would be surprised. And I, I don't. He, I think you know me. Like I hate to say, a hundred percent. Yeah, well, they knew a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent at the first round, they weren't going to do it. I, that was a lock. Defensive end, they weren't going to do it either. But in the second round, I would be, I would definitely be surprised if they did it, and I would be surprised, that, depending on the quarterbacks there, if it was, if it was, if it was Matt Corral too. So there would be two surprises there. Not that they dislike them, but I think there's other guys that they like more. Um, two more. Uh, number one is this. Do you think that Ron's comments about the A.J. Brown deal with respect to Terry McLaurin, he said, um, you know, I don't think the Brown deal impacts uh, the Terry McLaurin negotiations. They're different players, different styles. You know, it's almost like he was negotiating a little bit last night in public. Um, so what do you think the result of that is with Terry now that we've got another one on the board for $25 million a year? I, I mean, he's going to get paid. And I think the one thing, I think this is actually a good thing because now you start to set the market for that group. And I think the key thing is, the big thing you hear, even like with John Allen last year, it was always, what's the comp? And I think like they're big on that. I 
don't know who the comp is for them with Terry, but that's the big key. So, um, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily A.J. Brown because I don't know that they see him as the same, as you said, the same no, type they're, of player. They're, they're different players. But they are but... in the same group. They are in the same group. And it's, yeah, they so, are impact-wise, yes. Right, exactly. And, and they're also in the same class. Like, they're the same, you know, they came out the same year. They're, so I think, like, I think they get it done. I think Terry wants to be here, which is why he's out at these practices. He could have easily said, like, I'm not going to show up. I'm, you know, this. He wasn't scrubbing his social media for, of Washington stuff. He wasn't doing all the stuff <laughs> right, that right, right. doing. Yeah, because he's not an adult. About how he's yeah, exactly. And I think that gives them a really good chance to get this done. And I think, I think ultimately they will. And I don't, you know, the sense I get from them is that you know, I don't think he's someone like like Debo Samuel really wants to get paid, and um, I don't think that they're all going to get paid. But I think there's a I think there's a different level of understanding. My sense is with McLaurin about what he should be getting than maybe some other receivers. <laughs> I would just say that. Let me just be clear about one thing because I've said this before. A.J. Brown's a better receiver than Terry McLaurin. They're in the same group I, in terms of their impact. But if you told me right Brown now is, that I could have A.J. Brown for Terry McLaurin straight up, I would take A.J. Brown. I would. A.J. Brown, I would say that, and that I would say that's a consensus of what you hear from others, too. Yeah, so that I think maybe Ron, I hope he, like, I, I hope that he just meant different styles, et cetera. You don't want to put Terry down in relationship in relation uh, and, and to AJ right. Brown, yeah. Um, but Terry's right. Terry's going to get twenty three to twenty four a year when all yeah. is said and done, and I don't think they want to pay that much, but it's going to be that um, if they want to keep him. This is why, and you know what's funny, Kevin, because this is why, like. These receiver classes are so deep anymore that it's like it's really hard to justify paying receivers that much money when every year there's a bunch that come out that you say are pretty good. Now, there's, now having said that, there's always a different level of guy. And I think for here, Terry is a different level because it is important to the fan base, the organization, you know, who he is. I mean, it's not you know, like for him, it goes beyond the numbers. It's the impact that he makes here. And so I think for them, like, you know, you're not going. You can't let Terry McLaurin walk for a few million and take another public relations hit from your fan base, and just that's a risk you just can't take. And I think they understand that. I think they understand that. All right. Um, last, the last one is just. I want your um, your mock uh, second round pick. I won't make you, uh, you know, pick the third rounder. Okay. Well, give I, give I, me I, the mock second rounder. Jaquan Brisker. Okay. Penn State. Penn State, back to back. Penn State. Um, I like I like Petrie if he's there uh, from Baylor, um, but I like Brisker too. I also like Nick Cross. Do you have any sense? I tried to find out this and did not hear uh, back from anybody. Do you, have, you don't have any feel for it? No, I hear okay. more about Brisker. Okay, all right, sounds good. Thank you for doing this as always. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Kevin. You too. What was it like in Vegas last night? How many Commanders fans were there? We'll find out next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First down at the 49, opening series for Penn State here in the second half. Play fake, Clifford, shuffling, delivers, wide open, Jackson, touchdown, Penn State! 49 yards! All right, let's uh, finish up this uh, post-round one draft show uh, by heading out to Vegas and talking to Colin Gutman. Colin was on the show uh, with us previously talking Nats. Uh, he is the son of one of our favorites, Howard Gutman. Uh, Colin hosts a radio show on 910 The Fan in Richmond uh, that you can hear Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. He's a big D.C. sports fan, huge baseball fan, but he was out at the draft last night in Vegas. And, you know, I'm sitting there last night watching it, and my wife... My wife doesn't know much about sports. She doesn't care that much about sports. Maybe that's why um, we are the right match. It's the opposites attract thing. And she just was looking in this at this going, my God, how many people are there for this? And I said, I, I think it's over 100,000 people. And then, you know, they got the cutaways of everybody dressed up. And she's like, my God, who would go to one of these things? It's the draft. It's not an actual game. So you and your father went. So my wife was is not very impressed by that. I tried to tell her, look, it's Vegas, first of all. Why wouldn't you just go because it's in Vegas? Um but tell me what the scene was like last night. I'm sure you and your father were not um, out amongst the masses. You had uh, mezzanine or suites somewhere close to the stage. Yeah, yeah, we pulled the Dan Snyder, and we're, we're away from the common people for once, even though we're typically the common people. <laughs> um, but but the, crowd, the crowd was incredible. You know, it, it, Goodell said there was at least 100,000. The news reports we've seen said 500,000. We went to the draft in Philly a couple of years ago where we took John Allen, um, and that was absurd as a scene, but it doesn't even compare to this. Um, you know, just walking back to the hotel after the draft, you just couldn't even navigate the relatively wide sidewalks of Las Vegas. Uh, I've been in Vegas during a Conor McGregor fight. I've been in Vegas during massive conventions. Uh, I've never seen the city like this. Uh, it, it was about as jammed as it could be, and it's for something that my best friend calls glorified bingo calling except you only care about one out of every 32 bingo numbers so it, it was quite something i like I, I could have never seen and and that to the average person you know your wife my wife my best friend they think we're all absolutely nuts but at least there's strength in nuts numbers here so what fan base do you think was represented the most was that was that obvious or was it just a mix of of every fan base well, I think what's interesting is you would have expected the Rams to be all over because they're so close. They just won the championship. It's bandwagon, but they didn't have a pick yesterday. Same yeah. with the Seahawks. Yeah. So the fans weren't quite in, and I've heard well, that well, the, the Seahawks did. Well, the, Seah- the, the Seahawks had, of course, Denver's pick. Yeah. Right. Right. But today's their big day. They've got two. So the Rams and the Bears were, were notable in their absence. Let's say. Let's just say that. Uh, but 
and and I think the Raiders fans dominated as you'd assume. I think I think Vegas certainly has no shortage of them. But I was impressed by the Commanders fans. I was impressed by the Bengals fans. Uh, there were your usual lot of kind of Cowboys and Eagles fans. So no no surprises. You know the the major metropolitan cities, the markets that care. You know the Jets, the the Commanders. The only real surprise was was the Bengals, and then again the absence of the Rams and the. Uh, the Bears were, were notable, but I, I think we're going back today, and I think the Rams are just going to invade the place, right? Because L.A. loves the winner more than they actually care about anything else. Yeah, I just don't know how many real Rams fans there are in L.A. You know, it's funny because you, you reminded me of something. I read something the other day. We know how well this draft does as a television show. Um, we all know that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the, you know, it, it, it demolishes every other sport other than the NFL and college football. I mean, it, it crushes the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and is comparable probably with the Major League Baseball playoffs. Um, um, but sure. what I read the other uh, night, uh, and it was interesting, is because there were more teams with multiple first-round picks than ever before, that meant there were more teams without first-round picks. And you mentioned yeah. that. The Rams, the Bears, the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, and 49ers. Okay, all without first-round picks. And so forget the, the fact that their fans didn't show up for it live. You've got markets like L.A., Chicago, um, Miami, and the Bay Area, massive television markets that may not have been tuned in last night like they typically are. So the it, it's not going to surprise, I think, some of the TV executives if the ratings aren't through the roof or even if they're down uh, last night compared to previous years because all those fan bases probably weren't nearly as interested. I think the attendance here is probably a reflection of the TV viewership. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we start to hit records for day two, and for day two though, because I, I, you know, I know that there may not be that many Rams fans, but there are no Chargers fans, and there were some Chargers fans here. Uh, I am expecting those fan bases that slept last night to come out of hibernation today. So it would not surprise me. I meant the, the 49ers, of course, at the Seahawks. That would not surprise me to see a bunch of Californians drive in or fly in for the day today, a bunch of Bears fans, you know, looking to, to get to Vegas. So, And I would bet they will watch, you know, with with the picks that they have they're more important now in the second round because they didn't get that first, right? Justin Fields needs a weapon and all the Bears fans are tuning in now. So I, I would not be surprised if yesterday's viewership is down, but today's is up. And I'm not a ratings guy. I don't know if that's good or bad for the NFL, but I, I do think that, that not having a first place is heightened interest on your second, let's just say. Uh, what uh, what kind of um, of garb were Commanders fans slash Redskins slash Washington football team fans wearing the most? Was it Redskins stuff or was it new stuff? You know, the Commanders stuff hasn't gotten shipped, right? So I bought a Commanders jersey, I'll admit it. I gave Dan Snyder money, but it hasn't shipped yet. Okay. So I'm not able to wear it. I'm still wearing my um, my choices were Sean Taylor, RG3, and Alex Smith of the jerseys they have in my closet. <laughs> so I'm still I'm still wearing the Alex Smith. Um, you know, my dad has a shirt that's Commanders, but you can't pick that out as a Commander shirt. So I would say that the casual fans were all wearing the Coolies, the Portises, the Theismans, old school Redskins jerseys, uh, and then you had the crazy season ticket fans that were down in the inner circle area that were all wearing, you know custom burgundy and gold suits and, you know, 
uh, pig masks and everything. But the, the casual fans on the street, because the commander's jerseys haven't shipped, they're all wearing their same jerseys they were wearing at FedEx five, ten years ago. And, you know, same as me, I guess. All right. What was the biggest um, cheer of the night? What was the biggest boo of the night? I mean, I, Goodell, the, the the boos for Goodell last night, I didn't think were nearly as loud as they've been previously in other markets. Yeah, I mean, Philly Philly was much more brutal to Goodell yeah, than, than Vegas has been. I think I think they like him for giving them a team. Let's just say so. The Raiders fans might have spared him a bit. Uh, the biggest boo surprised me. It was the Phil, uh, Pittsburgh fans. I think they were dead set on Malik Willis. And I think it's kind of one of those things where even though Kenny Pickett's a local guy, they expected more out of him or they thought he was a little underwhelming in college. You know, he never took Pitt to, he took Pitt to some heights, but not to, you know, national championship heights, let's say. So for whatever the reason is, the Pittsburgh fans seemed down on their hometown kid. They were not very happy um, at all. Uh, about the the uh, the move to pick Kenny Pickett, and you know the the best move of the draft, the most applauded one, even though there's a small contingent, it just makes your your skull hurt every day to be so close to the Ravens. And when they took, in my mind, the player we should have taken, and in a lot of people's minds, and Kyle Hamilton just fell to them at 14. You know, the Ravens fans, the small contingent of Ravens fans went nuts, and the small contingent of Commanders fans went nuts in the opposite direction too. So. Those, those were the two big reactions. So what was the reaction from the Washington fans when first the announcement was a, a trade back and then the selection of Dotson? I think the trade back, people were cautiously optimistic that we still might get someone that we wanted, a Chris Olave, a Jamison Williams, a Kyle Hamilton. I think once they all went, you know, I looked around the commander section and, you know, I, I know Jahan Dotson because I follow college football maniacally, but most of the Commanders fans there who had been listening to, you know, yourself and the draft experts and new Williams and Olave and Hamilton, they, they were like, who's Jahan Dotson? So, I mean, it feels a little Jamin Davis-like where your pick is watching the NBA playoffs because he doesn't think there's a chance he's going to get taken yet, and you reach for him a bit. So I think there was a very cautiously, skeptically optimistic mood when we traded back because everyone knew we needed more picks. And then I think people started hitting their head on, on the wall uh, and saying not again with Jahan Dotson. Now, people are talking themselves into Jahan Dotson, and there, there's a chance he's a good player. You know, he was probably 25th on most boards. He went 16th. It's not the biggest overreach in history. He didn't go number one. Um, I certainly hope he's a good player, but it certainly feels like whether or not he's a good player, we're talking ourselves into this being the right move because the initial reaction was one of hitting your head against the wall among Almost every Commanders fan I saw there. All right. Uh, two more for you guys. Um, have you and your father won money or lost money since getting to Vegas? So the good news is they have this whole big NFL draft experience thing that we walked around. They have people running the 40. They have people kicking field goals and embarrassing themselves. So basically, between flying in yesterday, getting set up at the hotel, you know, we're all the way at the Luxor, right near Legion Stadium, walking our butts all the way up the strip. Like, we didn't even have time to do either, and we didn't even stay for the Weezer concert after, because it was already like midnight our time. We're exhausted, we're starving, you're thirsty, you know, it's, it's dry as heck out here, and you're sitting in your seat for three and a half hours. We were just wanted to drag ourselves back to a food court and get something to eat. So we haven't lost or won anything. My dad prides himself on not gambling. 
He tells a story of how he had to come here once for business and lost 15 cents at a nickel uh, oh, video God. poker machine waiting for oh, his pizza. <laughs> I, I am eagerly planning ways to, to what is the best way to lose my money gambling and embarrass my dad about uh, what he's raised. And uh, coming up with a detailed plan for that before the draft starts today. All right. Last one. Speaking of Weezer, um, what was the level of hash uh, there last night? How, how strong was the smell of weed in the crowd? So at the during the draft, there was none because everybody who was in the good seats was either a season ticket holder uh, who was, you know, given the spot by the team or was someone who had, you know, gotten tickets another way. But then what happened is as people started leaving toward the end of the 20s and early 30s, they didn't want it to look empty. So they started letting in people from the general admission <laughs> yeah. to go in for the Weezer concert. And that was just like, you know, combine the legal weed with, with Vegas. Right. Uh, and, and I couldn't get out of, like, we had our mask just in case we were in a, you know, dense COVID area. I ended up needing the mask just to kind of no. detox, breathe without, without smoke at that point. Uh, so it, it, it would, got bad once they opened the floodgate. I would have been fine with it. Um, uh, this was great, <laughs> Colin. I appreciate you doing this. Um, you can catch uh, Colin on Twitter, at Sports Gut Check, and catch his show Saturday mornings on 910 The Fan in Richmond. Say hello to your dad. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Will do. Thanks, Kevin. All right, that's it for the show today. More likely than not, I'll be back for a weekend show, uh, especially if they pick a quarterback or they surprise with a big trade. Uh, but um, it may be on Sunday, not tomorrow. We'll see how the weekend goes. Uh, but until next time, enjoy the rest of the draft and the weekend. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.